1: Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. You left a
0: half-eaten apple on my couch. What
1: fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I see this is something we need to work on. With Margaret Aples and Amy Wilson. Oh God, we need some quarantine love lessons. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You know, picking the bugs off their babies all the time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Margaret, and this is Amy. And this week, you guys were talking about the fact that we did not sign up for being with our spouses twenty four seven.
0: I I have <laughs> said it on the podcast before. I feel like my deal when I took those vows was to like mom like fifty seven percent of the time and wife like. of the time I feel like
1: that's the deal I made I recommend some summer reading for you I've been reading about uh, the history of Nantucket and as a whaling community (laughs) okay not where I thought you were gonna go (laughs) let me tell you the whaling ships would go out for about three years yeah and so you know the guy would get on the whaling ship and off they go they wouldn't come back until like the ship was full of oil they'd sort of kill the whale and like You know, hack it apart at sea and get the oil out of it And the women were just at home raising the kids And the women of Nantucket were like We got something going on, you guys Like there's poems and songs written About how gay and free it is To be a Nantucket wife Because you have a happy life Because your husband's always on a ship for three years Because
0: you don't have to deal with your husband He's off yes, making whale oil Yeah, they sound like they might be onto something, those Nantucket ladies. I feel like this is like I signed up to be a Nantucket oil wife. And now (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what the opposite of that is. I'm like trapped in a room with my husband all Z time. My
1: spouse travels so much for work. That's right. He's often away. He's a flyer. Like he flies like Tokyo. So yeah, he has like elite flyer status on like all the airlines. And um, he's not using it right now. He's grounded. Yeah. He's grounded. And you know, it's Jessica Gross in the New York Times. She's, you know, runs the parenting for the New York Times. And she wrote an article that I'm going to put up on our show page at webfreshhhhallpodcast.com. Or you can tap way you're listening. She thinks the problem is that we're missing the partner we see 24-7, which is a gracious way to put it, I think. I'm not sure. Wait, I don't get it. <laughs> we're missing the partner we see 24-7? That you are not actually connecting with them. She says, in our 15 years as a couple, she's speaking about a real marriage, we have never spent so much time in the same space as we have the last four months, but we have a hard time actually connecting, she argues, because you're not going on a date. There's no conversation. There's literally no adventure that one of you is having that the other one doesn't already understand in excruciating detail.
0: Well, this is the extension of the Zoom call. We are doing weekly family Zoom calls. And we're five months in the Zoom call is like someone recites the plot of a television show they've been watching recently (laughs) to the other eight members of the Zoom call. Who is it? It's
1: your it's like the other members of your immediate family.
0: Yeah, it's the family, you know, my dad, my sister. And it's just like, I mean, it's kind of nice to see everyone's face. I will say it gives a little structure to the week because you're like, this is when we have to be on this call. But there is a heavy boredom to the whole thing, too. It's like one of my nieces was cutting an avocado and sliced her finger open and needed 10 stitches. It was like the biggest news of the month, you know, (laughs) like so what? And then what happened? You got in an Uber to go to the urgent care. Okay, And then what happened? Like, I mean, it's just... That's right. There's no news. There's no change. So my husband worked at home before this. We already kind of had a setup where we spent a lot of time. But I also think the kids being home plays a huge role because it used to be eight o'clock, drop the kids at school, come home. He has an office downstairs. He would go to his office. I would do my things. And then I would go pick up the kids at three. We would hang out, you know, I'd get them snacks, whatever. My husband would come up at six and then we would share news of the day. Yeah. I was just thinking about, I think you talked about them and I heard someone else on a podcast like the cards. It's like discussion cards that you get at dinner. I just heard someone talking about them. Yeah. Table topics. I've talked about
1: those. Yeah. I was
0: like, "Ah, we basically need that because what do we do all day? You know, we like to do like favorite best and worst parts of the day at dinner. It's like, who cares? I was with you all day. I know that you didn't like it when you lost at Scrabble. And I know that
1: you... Oh,
0: I'm so bored of everyone's faces.
1: I have some science from the animal world for you that kind of explains why this is so hard right now. Is it the one where the praying mantis bites off the dude's head? (laughs) No, have you done that this week cuz I have? Yes. Only yes. figuratively,
0: but literally
1: cannot be far behind. Yes. Okay, so you know the saying absence makes the heart grow fonder. I do. I'm not familiar with it in practice, but yes. Oh, so I looked this up. It was a Roman poet named Sextus Propertius said this first in 20 BC. So, this is some old wisdom. Wow, you're going way back. Yes. This is a deep cut. It came from him. He said, always toward absent lovers, love's tide stronger flows. So, he was the first person to say it. Sextus, you were really onto something there. Good job. Yeah. And it's certainly true. Like when my spouse goes on a work trip for a week and comes back, like as you said, news of the outside world. And I have news of the outside world too. There's things to catch up on. So, This group of scientists wanted to study, like, why is that? Why does absence make the heart grow fonder? And is it also true for the animal kingdom?
0: I mean, this is one of the many studies that we
1: cite. That I'm like, really? (laughs) Did this need to be studied? I think we pretty much get it. But go ahead. We pretty much know. Okay, so baboon moms, okay, when their babies are little, are nursing their babies all the time. They're you know picking the bugs off their babies all the time, and they do not groom. Other adult baboons as they usually do but when you have a baby you are all about the baby all the time so these adult baboons are totally focused on their babies but once they're weaning they go back to the other adult baboons and like groom them extra to sort of make up for lost time (laughs) okay what am I supposed to be taking away from this information Amy I'm confused it's that after you spend time apart you come back together And you are interested in investing more time, more energy, more effort into your romance, into your relationship because of the time apart. Like there's a biological imperative to rebuild that relationship. And so you work harder at it. And so you're really happy to see each other. And so you go out to dinner and you have a great date night and you catch up and it just feels so nice. But you're doing that work for a reason. You're doing that work to rebuild the relationship. But the absence has to occur in order for that yearning to rebuild to Occur in you biologically.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely sticking with my point that
1: we didn't need a study to figure that out. I mean, go, you go, baboons, but yes. I like it. I think it explains that's why absence makes the heart grow fonder. Not because I like you better when you're gone, but because when you come back, I experience this yearning to reconnect with you. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, I mean,. I constantly have that. My
0: husband travels nothing like yours, but occasionally. And like, I definitely on day two of him being away, I'm like, oh, he's the best. Why am I so mean to him? I love that guy. You know, like, I do feel that thing of like, just getting out of each other's faces makes you really reflect on how great the other person is. It's just so natural. Mm -hmm. And I mean... The kids are exactly the same. Like when my kids are at school, I love picking my kids up from school. Like I love seeing their faces again. I love hearing how their day went. And then I'm annoyed with them an hour later. But like, I really miss the experience of reuniting with people. I definitely do.
1: We have a guest coming up in part two. Damona Hoffman is a dating coach and a TV personality. She's going to give us some quarantine love lessons, which I feel like we need. So I just wanted to say that's coming up. Oh, God,
0: we need some quarantine love lessons. I'm having a loveless quarantine towards all human beings.
1: Can I give you another a complicating factor for this moment? Sure. Would you say, Margaret, that the circumstances that we're living in are making you more reactive, a little bit more trigger happy than you might be in the usual world? Yes, I would. Amy. I would say that's correct. Yes, of course. Right. 100%. So like, it's kind of like absence makes the hardcore fonder. This is also, this is part two of the obvious, but like really understanding like, oh, that makes sense. That's why it would happen. So psychologists, well, there's a bunch of them, I'll put them on the website, but they created this idea called relational turbulence theory, (laughs) which is just a complicated way of saying that when you're in a turbulent transition in your relationship, which could be a lot of things, but let's say we're all having the same turbulence right now, it creates conditions that are ripe for turbulence in your relationship. Yes. It can create more opportunities for missteps and discontinuity, they say, until we can establish new patterns of relating that are responsive to the new conditions that we're in.
0: Yes, exactly. But also the thing that I keep saying, this is my observation of coronavirus time. I feel like everyone I know has burned through all of their reserves of like politeness and socially correct interactions. And that has all burned away. And now we are just down to everyone's like base operating system. And people's base operating systems tend to be fairly negative. My base operating system tends to be... Respect my authority. I can get my way by yelling and telling everyone else what they're doing wrong. My husband's base operating system tends to be I am a turtle in my shell. Nothing affects me. Put up my hood. Yeah, I am like in the carapace like no one will bother me while I'm in here. And That's not great. Like one of my kids' operating system is like, I will, whenever I am criticized and or asked to do anything, say everyone hates me and storm out of the room. Like not great. And so I just noticed that in everybody, like the people in my life who are anxious and, you know, over talkers are insanely over talking like you can have conversations with people where you don't say a word for 25 minutes straight the people in my life who are controlling are like you know what you should do like everybody has just been every normalcy and what do you call that like social grace yeah has been boiled away boiled away right and now it's just like I am control freak controlling everything and I'm like that's what I think is really hard. My husband and I are
1: both our worst versions of ourselves. And what contributes to like even more turbulence, this was part of this relational turbulence theory study, was that you globalize, right? You have one volatile communication with your partner, one bout of intense emotion, and you globalize it and you say, that's how it is. That's how he is. He's carapace man. And and he's like, and you're yell all the time person and you globalize the turbulent moments and they feel inescapable or, you know, surmountable only with great difficulty. And I have to decide what's for dinner now. So I'm just gonna put that on the shelf again.
0: Well, and also we say this all the time, Our version of it is like, watch the story you tell yourself. Right, right, right. And so my kid who is constantly frustrated, his story is, well, everyone just hates me and I can't do anything right. So like you left a half eaten apple on my couch. Oh, I guess you just hate me. It's like, okay, wait, what? Like that has nothing. Take the note. Just Put (laughs) the apple in the garbage. Like this does not have to become an etude on how we all feel about you. You know, my husband is, you know, I'm like, oh, I guess he'll just go do his own thing and leave me to do everything. My husband to me is probably like, oh my God. Old Insaney over there is crazy again. Let me hide. Like my sister says, it's like it's evidence gathering. You're gathering evidence to support your story that you're already telling yourself.
1: Yes. And it's not great. And what we need to do, like, I guess, is so like if an airplane is experiencing turbulence, you know, and it's bouncing around, you have to make adjustments in order to fly through some turbulence. (laughs) You just have to grab onto the seat rests and pray. Right. Well, if you're flying the plane, you're going (laughs) to fix something. You're going to go higher. You're going to lower The only problem is, like, the turbulence is everywhere, right? It isn't something we can escape by moving to another state, much as, you know, many of us might consider that.
0: Wait, can't we? What if we're really thinking about doing that? Moving to another (laughs) state?
1: (laughs) You can, but it might... The turbulence might go with you. This isn't temporary. This has been going on for uh, six months and... It's going to be a little while longer, is what I'm saying. I used to have this
0: feeling, my mom talked about it all the time, of like, I had, you know, three and four years, as I've said. So, like, I'm talking, I've got like a three-year-old or two-year-old that wanted diapers. My husband was super busy at the time at his job and traveling. And I really would get this sensation of like, I would picture myself walking out and getting in the car and just, I lived in LA at the time and the I-10 freeway was right outside my door. Like I could hear (laughs) the cars on it and I'd be like, I'm just getting on the highway and I'm going to drive. Like, and it's funny because basically I came out of that hellscape and I haven't thought about it in years and years. And for no reason, like nothing really went wrong. I was working on something technical that, you know, the computer ate something I was working on. It wasn't like the worst day I've even had. But I just suddenly became overwhelmed with that sensation of like, I'm going to go get in the car and just drive, just drive, drive, drive. And I was like, oh, this is an old friend. My I want to drive away from here feeling I haven't felt it in a long time. But coronavirus brought it back.
1: Yeah. And I guess it would feel, I mean, all of us are feeling that, right? And all of us would probably feel scared to think that our spouse was also having those, I'm just going to get out of here and drive away thing. (laughs) But why shouldn't they if we're having those feelings at times? But you don't have to globalize. But anyway, it's a lot. It's a lot. All right. We're going to take this to the relationship coach, Damona Hoffman. She's going to tell us how to make this work when we get back. while Today, we're talking to Demona Hoffman. She's a dating coach and TV personality who starred in A&E's series Black Love and A Question of Love. She's a contributor for CNN Headline News, BET.com, The Washington Post, LA Times, tons more. Her advice has been featured in hundreds of publications and podcasts and TV shows. And she was actually the subject of an Oprah O Magazine cover story in 2019. She Knows Relationships. She's here to help us out. Thanks for talking to us, Damona. Glad
2: to be here.
0: Damona, after that intro, you better save our marriages. I mean, the pressure's
3: on.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to save mine because I'm doing all of this while I'm also in quarantine with my two kids and my husband. <laughs> I mean, we brought in a heavy hitter, guys,
1: because we know we're in a lot of trouble. So let's get this done. We know what the problems are, right? Like we're all together all the time, and that's not how you make the heart grow fonder. So what do we do to stop being so annoyed by each other's Chewing and walking and And horrible faces, you know,
2: (laughs) what do we do? (laughs) Well, technically, we are together all the time, but it's important to also still block our day out the way that we would if we did go to a job or our kids did go to school. And, you know, if you look at my Google calendar, it's a mess. It looks like a mess because there's like five different blocks going on at all times, but it keeps us organized. And when you do the structure stuff, it actually creates more space and more freedom. And then you can build those times in with your partner where you reconnect like you used to. And you're not with each other all day. I'm having my first like date night out of the house with my husband, I think all summer this weekend. And boy, am I looking forward to it. I
0: think that's really interesting
2: because one of the things
0: that we go back to a lot on the
2: podcast is the
0: whiteboard, which, you know, we keep in our kitchen and I help to I know the power that has to schedule my children's day, schedule our meals, cut down on the thing of what's for dinner? What are we doing next? There's nothing to do. I'm bored to have that schedule. I have never, ever thought about including my spouse in that picture. We used to have growing up, my parents had a time that was called adult talk time. And there was a baby gate. I mean, we were way too old for a baby gate and they would still put it up because whatever, the living room didn't have a door. It just had an entryway. And there was a time and they would have a cocktail and that was called adult talk time. Uh And we were not allowed to address them during adult talk time. Oh, that's great. And. I think about that all the time. And I had friends over, whatever, we were sitting outside socially distanced. So we had, the kids had full access to us. And there's a little, we put down little stone pavers and there's a little couchy outdoor thing there. And the kids kept coming up and I kept saying to them, it is adult talk time. You are not allowed to talk to us. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I need to put adult talk
2: time, like maybe once every three days on the whiteboard. That would be a great way if it's not happening. And that actually reminds me of two different things that could be game changers as well for keeping the relationship fresh. One is making sure that you have space. Like I talked about having time, but each partner also has to have space within the house, And I know some of your listeners may be in apartments with seemingly not that much space to themselves. But even if you just have like your reading corner or your meditation pillow or the place outside where you do your workouts or read, that is so important to delineate. This is my space and maybe this is adult space or this is just mom space for this period of time. But that can keep the sanity. And the other thing is making sure that you do have that adult talk time. So my husband and I actually download every single night. Maybe it's a little too much, but every single night (laughs) we talk about the day. How did it go for you? And then we actually plan together for the next day and figure out what didn't work so well today. And what can we do better tomorrow? Or how can I support you better tomorrow? Because it's when those little conflicts get Stuffed down and brushed under the table And not dealt with That they become bigger problems And they become really big irritations And then they become issues
1: How do you do that though? How do you address that? Like can you please flush the toilet can you please you know load the dishwasher instead of leaving the dishes in the sink i feel like we've covered that and if i bring it up there's an immediate six months in there's a bristling that it occurs and there is an immediate like well you never put your shoes away like (laughs) and good point like there are certainly good points on each side we are crystal clear on the other's small you know ways we're falling down on the job so how do you what structure do you put around
2: that conversation to keep it productive I have a philosophy I use with my clients called own the elephant in the room. Okay. So if you just state what's obvious, then no one's thinking about how obvious it is in the back of their mind. So if you know, and look, my husband leaves his underwear on the bathroom floor every day. (laughs) (laughs) And I can choose. There's also a decision tree for me. I can choose. Do I want it to want to let it upset me? Or is that just sort of one thing that comes with quarantine? I think there are we have to really figure out what are the actual issues and what are just little quirks or annoyances that you can live with. But if it's a real issue, I would say, honey, (laughs) we both know your underwear is on the floor every day, right? And we get agreement as we're going along. Like, let's just agree on that. I know it may not seem like a big deal to you, but for me, it really helps if we can keep the bathroom clean and make it, one issue. Don't go at him like, and then you never did the dishes and then you never did this. Like choose an issue every day or every week. (laughs) Okay, so we're not supposed to
0: do that. All right, let me write that one down. I mean, you can, but (laughs) it doesn't work great.
2: You'll get a lot of pushback.
0: (laughs) One thing that is working for us in quarantine, and it took us a while to get here, is spheres. You have your sphere, I have my sphere, because the constant bickering over the little things was driving us crazy. And so we came to an Bedroom and bathrooms... My job, kitchen, absolutely. My husband's job, living room, family project. Mm -hmm. And so I don't talk to my husband. I'll say occasionally like, hey, if you can get to the kitchen today, it's grossing me out, you know, (laughs) and he never tells me. I mean, he could live in the bedroom if we collapsed under the clothing and dirty underwear. So he doesn't really care. But I Uh get about three days in and I'm like, all right, I have to clean up all the stuff on the bathroom floor, blah, blah, blah. And so that's been kind of helpful, like to just stop debating about whose underwear and socks these are, and I do that room, you do that room, and then the kids help us with the living space, and that helps a lot.
2: That's a great tip. I mean, it's just less conversation. There are also some things that you may want to have done that are really important to you that just don't hit that level of importance for your partner. Like, pretty much every smoke alarm in our house has gone off at four in the morning in the last few months, and I swear, I have asked my husband probably almost 10 times i'm like (laughs) honey because i'm short i can't do it and you know i get my lady hands out (laughs) just like i can't do it (laughs) not my
0: sphere we talk about that there it's fine to have jobs where you're like i'm not doing this i don't do the trash i'm sorry
2: i literally can't reach it like i'd have to get out the really big ladder and so i asked him probably 10 times and he didn't do it and i was like okay i have a choice now decision tree again I can be upset about this and keep nagging him or I can take an action that gets me the result that I want. So I was at the home improvement store. I just happened to be at the home improvement store and I said, oh, honey, I'm here and they have lots of batteries. Can I get you the batteries we need for the smoke detectors? And he was like, oh, sure. And then he had one thing that he had to do. It was take a picture of the battery, tell me what it is, and then I bring it home. And that made... For whatever reason, the lift was just too big for him to think about figuring out what battery he needed and going to the store and then coming back and doing the installation. So if I could take that one part off of his plate, then we could both get our need met. The invisible workload. You
1: just had to hand the batteries over and then he'll come up on the ladder. I swear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think also sometimes it helps in times like this to have the story get away from like I have this recalcitrant husband who won't do anything and like my teammate needs an assist with this basket. they are different stories, you know? Yeah. And so it doesn't always have to be like my husband was such a failure that I had to do part of the job for him. That story can also be like, Hey, I assisted him with this and there's a ton of stuff that my husband assists. I realize this is a rosy picture and believe me, I don't do this all the time, but I do try to remind myself that that's an available story to me as well.
2: Yeah. And you really phrase that in the perfect way. You are on the same team as your partner. Sometimes it doesn't feel like you're on the same team as your kids, but you are all on the team together, whether you like it or not. That's what quarantine is about. And that shift in the perspective is really important to making sure that you can get things done. How can we do this? How can I support you to get this done and, you know, achieve the bigger picture, which is as a little conflict as possible and as much functionality as you can muster?
0: Can we talk a little bit? About romance, and is there any hope <laughs> of keeping a genuine romantic life? A lot of our podcast listeners listen with their kids, so we'll speak about this in the romantic sense, but to keep any sort of romantic life going when you... I know for myself that getting screamed at for 18 hours a day by three small humans does not really put me in the mood for romantic. No cuddles. No cuddling. I mean, truly like my husband and I try to have a habit of like kissing each other. goodnight. I get in bed. I'm like, stay over on your side. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Let's watch something on TV. And then I'm going to read Twitter and go (laughs) to bed. Like that's all I have at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10
2: o'clock at night. I know it sounds pretty unsexy, (laughs) but if you can actually schedule it, and sometimes you can do this in a way that's More romantic than it sounds And, you know, earmuffs to the kids But if you can say, like In the morning, in a very sexy way Like, ooh, you know I like that, like, I'm not a beard person I'm not a five o'clock shadow person But I'll like touch my husband's face and be like, if you could just shave today, that would be awesome. And then the whole rest of the day, he's because he knows if he shaves that exponentially increases his chances. But he knows it's like that sort of code for us that if he shaves, things are going to go down (laughs) that evening. I've also heard of people like literally scheduling it out like. Saturday night is the night. And it sounds unsexy, but then if you have... It's building that anticipation. And, you know, I also work with a lot of singles and maybe have some single moms listening. When we're dating, we try to build anticipation for the next time you're going to see one another. And let that curiosity drive you to the next date and the next time that you see each other. And when you're... First of all, when you're in a partnership for a long time, some of that magic dissipates and then when you're with each other all day every day a lot of that magic dissipates all of that magic dissipates right so just knowing that you have something to look forward to together I mean I scheduled this date night that I'm having with my husband I literally scheduled it in mid July <laughs> because I was like we need to get out of the house and I also know my husband is having a He's having anxieties about even leaving the house. But, you know, it's outdoors and everything. And I knew he needed that much mental space to get less anxious about it. And then for us to both get excited about anticipating this time that we have together.
1: Oh, I think that's a good suggestion. Can we talk about what you call some of the sort of silent relationship killers that could
2: potentially rear their heads right now even more than usual? We all have crutches. Mine is a glass of Chardonnay. Maybe that sounds bougie (laughs) or basic. (laughs) No, it sounds relatable to me. But I know if I've had a stressful day, the first thing I do when I walk in the door is I go to my wine fridge and I pop open Chardonnay. And ultimately, in the moment, that feels I need a release and that feels better. but later on in the night, that might make me more irritable, that might make me less patient with my children, that might make me sleepier and less open for adult time with my husband. And so you're going to just do your best when you are at your clearest and most healthy Problems. So it's really just about being conscious of what you are doing for your own body to be able to show up for yourself and your partner in the best way. And your kids, I mean.
0: I think it's such a good point, And it doesn't mean that Chardonnay food, watching cruddy TV, any of that stuff is absolutely bad. It's just, are you turning to things for comfort for yourself that is stopping you from connecting with your husband for comfort. This happens to me all the time, right? Where I'm like, I'm actually getting my needs met, thanks so much, from beer and chocolate ice cream. And so <laughs> you, I don't need you that much. Like, And that actually that meeting of needs is not great for me. And sitting down to a pleasant, nice meal with my husband, it's a harder comfort to get to, but it's more rewarding. And that's hard to remember when you're like, I will just sit here and eat 40 plates of taken Indian food and I will that will like scratch that itch.
2: Yeah. And sometimes that's okay. Like we have to have compassion for ourselves in this time. And, you know, all of these are strategies in an ideal scenario. But look, some days that just ain't happening. So you have to have compassion for yourself. But it helps if you can plan alternatives. So, you know, if you could just jot down right now. What are three other things that you could do to get comfort other than, you know, having three glasses of wine and 40 plates of Indian food? For me, I've discovered meditation in quarantine, which I've always been like, oh, that would be nice. But I really now use it as a tool. I do meditation. I do yoga. I have a cup of tea instead of having a glass of wine. And I got a foot massager for quarantine Mother's Day and I just put my feet in there, read a book for 10 minutes and it really does change my mindset. But if you don't have a plan, you're going to go back to whatever's easy. And like you said, it is a little bit more work to sit down, plan a dinner and then join your husband for dinner. It's easier to reach for the glass of wine, but there might be something that's better for you. And if you pre-plan it, it's easier to achieve.
1: But it occurs to me like the meditation, the foot massage, the reading a book, all of those are comfort strategies that don't involve your partner, right? There are nights that my spouse will just like go to bed early, sometimes won't even say he's doing it, just like disappears and he's hiding under the covers watching some show that involves usually like drug runners, you know, and there's um, <laughs> there's lots of subtitles because half of it's in Spanish. That's what he likes to watch. It's not my thing, right? So it's his comfort strategy. No judgment, but yeah. Right. And I, it's fine, like I wouldn't want to watch it anyway, but how do you, it seems to to me like your partner whatever your comfort strategies are can take it personally if they see they can perceive you as like god she's taking yoga classes seven days a week she must really hate my face instead of (laughs) how nice that they're doing what they need for themselves how do you not take it personally I guess I'm saying when your partner has comfort strategies that very clearly don't involve you
2: well I mean those are the strategies for me and I feel like self-care is really important and the first thing that most people Eliminate when they are crunched for time or stressed out? When, now I have a partner who is very affectionate and like I don't have to worry about that as much. But sometimes, like I know for him, his comfort strategy is doing a crossword puzzle, which (laughs) is equally strange to me as the drug running TV shows. But I know if I see him, it's almost code. Like if I see him doing a crossword puzzle, I know he needs a little bit of space and that he is decompressing in his way. So it's a little bit about communicating what you need in the relationship and making sure that they know, like, if I'm doing the foot massage, it just means that I need a little bit of space but then suggesting, can we cuddle tonight? Can we watch the show together? And sometimes what you need with your partner, like I've started to look forward to Netflix, sometimes without the chill, like just sitting with my partner and having that time that we can connect and hold hands while we watch something stupid on TV. That's valuable time for me. It's not wasted time. But if I feel like well, you're doing a lot of crossword puzzles lately and I'm not really having time to connect with you. I will say without judgment about the crossword puzzles, it would be really great if we could find a time to do X. And I find I keep coming back to this idea of specificity and finding that one thing. What's figure out what is the one problem and what is one's possible solution? My tendency I'll try to I'll tend to like get into a manic list of everything that's wrong. And that is not helpful in solving the problem. And especially for a lot of male brains, (laughs) if you could just give him one thing, that's something that he can do to meet your needs because ultimately... That's what your partner should want. They should want to meet your needs. They should want for you to be happy, but they also want to be happy themselves. I
0: think. But I think this can also be a time of like, hey, let's try to take the best care of each other we can and get through this together and not necessarily layer on like let's try to maximize each other's happiness. Like it's for better or for worse and for you know, putting your head down and getting through it, too.
2: Yeah, I think we're in battle right now. I still and I live in California. Yeah. So it's still pretty intense over here. And I do look at it like now we're playing the long game. I had a lot of strategies that I would tell people at the beginning of like, make sure you do your date night every week and make sure that your kids are helping out and taking some of the load off of you. And like my daughter was doing the dishes and now she does the dishes maybe twice a week. Like she's not doing it every day. And again, we have a choice. We can be angry about it or we can inspire people to do the best that they can right now and do the best that we possibly can and then let the rest of the things fall where they may and hopefully get resolved when we come out of this.
1: That's it. Domona, tell us about you and your podcast and all the places we can find you.
2: Yeah. So Dates and Mates is my podcast. We're going on season eight, if you can believe that. Wow. Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. It's Modern Love Made Simple. You know, I say it's not your mama's love advice. (laughs) So it's kind of like the conversation we've been having here. Like it's real and it's raw and it's fun. And we address what's really happening in romantic relationships today. And that's on every major podcast platform, and also at datesandmates.com. And I have a cute little seven-day relationship boot camp. If anyone is up for a challenge, that's also at datesandmates.com. I like the sound of that.
0: Awesome. Well, Damona, it's so great to have you on. Thanks for helping us through. And we will send our listeners your way to check you out at Dates and Mates.
1: Oh, I
2: loved it. Thank you.
0: And now, the first year of marriage versus the tenth year of marriage. From the What Fresh Hell
1: podcast. First year. Let's stay in bed all day. Tenth year. If you get breakfast for the kids while I shower, I'll give you five bucks. First year. You're cooking dinner? I wanted to cook you dinner. Tenth year. Who's calling the pizza place? First year. Oh, I love it when we just talk.
0: Tenth year.
1: Honey, we need to make an appointment to have a conversation about these orthodontist bills. First year. Sexy lingerie. Tenth year. School fundraiser t-shirt. First year. Dinner and then dancing. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Tenth year. You'll clean up the kitchen and I'll go to sleep before 9 p.m. Oh, that sounds wonderful. First year. I'm so glad we stayed up until 3 a.m. hashing out that important relationship related issue. Tenth year. Look, I've long since decided we're in this together and we're going to make it work somehow. So let's get some sleep. This has been
0: the first year of marriage versus the 10th year of marriage. From the What Fresh Hell
1: podcast. Okay, we're back. You know what I liked about that? Tell me the owning the elephant in the room. I think after all this time with my spouse and certainly all this time living together 24 seven during quarantine, like we're not like fooling each other. So the idea about just openly engaging with I see this as something we need to work on is less scary than it seems.
0: Yeah. And I think that we keep coming back to the thing on the podcast over and over again, that like, there are certain things that you can hack, you know, like try this at bedtime, try this for potty training. There are like hacks here and there. But fundamentally, what we're always talking about is kind of big picture stuff, like set a good example for your kids, be the person you want them to grow up to be. And I think in marriage, like, communicate with love to solve problems is not that fun or sexy as advice but it's kind of where it's got to be like what is not going right here for me constantly fighting about like whose juice box this is whose underwear these are talk that out find a solution that is okay You take care of the kitchen and I'll take care of the bedroom and not just going around and around about the socks on the floor all the time and operating from a point of view of like, neither one of us want to be miserable in this situation. And so, listen, if you're married to someone who is a jerk and who doesn't have your best interests at heart and is basically like lazy and thoughtless,
1: there's not a lot of advice we're going to give you that's going to help you. No, this moment is very hard. And this moment shines a light on those kind of situations for sure. And that's extremely difficult and not and there are no simple solutions to that.
0: No, but I think if you're starting from a point of view of like you are lucky enough to be in a partnership where both people kind of want to be in it, basically have the other person's best interests at heart, want a happy home, then you're in a part where you can say like, okay, let's name the
1: problems and try to figure
0: out solutions to them.
1: Because there aren't like the fact that there are problems, conflict is unavoidable. Right now? Correct. And so the fact that you are fighting about the bathroom floor or whatever, that's fine. That doesn't necessarily mean global bad things about a relationship that there are moments of stress and strain and frustration in a 24 7 lockdown. Of course there are. And so if you can accept that conflict is unavoidable and that it's okay to address it directly instead of simmering and hoping the other person doesn't notice. I feel like that goes a long way towards making all of this a little bit easier.
0: And it doesn't let it become just like festering and evidence gathering and like just another sign that my husband doesn't (laughs) care about me. The socks. You know what that's a sign of? Your husband took a shower. That's the only thing that's a sign of, you know? Right. It's not a sign that like he has a secret plot to make your life hell. And I say this as somebody who really has a problem with this. And, you know, my... Kids are getting into the tweeny phase, and it almost makes me laugh. Like, just the whole dynamic that is, could you throw that apple core away? Obviously, you hate me. It's comical to see it in them, but I do it myself, which is like, mm. if you really loved me, you would know that when I ask you to pick up the socks, you would do it, you know? And that's just not a good test. It's not a good place to get into.
1: The enemy right now is a situation that we are in, not the person that you're doing it with. Like you have, a, there is a dragon you're both battling and it's not, the spouse isn't the dragon.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's right. You have a common enemy who is coronavirus. Yeah. And I know for my husband, and I think I've talked about this before, like we have a thing that we call the mode and we often fall into the mode, you know, we've been married, whatever I don't know, 12 years, something like that. And we, of course, have a place that we get into where he turtle shells and I get angrier and angrier and I feel more and more resentful and less and less taken care of. And then he gets turtlier and turtlier. And after many like four o'clock in the morning, early marriage conversations, We have identified this as the central problem of our relationship. And now and we named it the mode. And sometimes we'll just be like, you know, we're in the mode really badly right now. We're like, Mm. you're hiding from problems and I'm getting more and more tornado to try to get you to notice. And like, we need to try to fix the mode. And it's not that scary when you talk about it and you're like, this is the mode, you know? And yeah. And you have a shorthand for it.
1: Yeah. It's a non-judgmental to one or the other of you shorthand for here's this thing we do. I love that.
0: It just helps. Like I teach speech. That's part of what I do, like uh, public speaking in when not doing the podcast. And we play this game and it's called eight, five, three. And the basic idea is like three is like your shyest, most, you know, introverted self. Five is your true neutral and eight is your most extroverted self. And so the exercise is... You know, you try on these three levels and how do they feel? Like, how does it feel? I'm naturally kind of an eight, you know, so I'm kind of, that's my natural mode. What does it feel like for me to be a three, to speak like very calmly and softly? And uh, and it always leads to these really interesting conversations where we're like, okay, so when you have a boss who's an eight, if you can stay a three, it's a lot easier to get along with that boss. You can't have two eights in a kitchen, let's say. You can't have two eights on a line when you're trying to make stuff happen. And one of the things I like a lot about the game is that when it gives you a way to talk about levels of personality and behavior, that is truly neutral. So there's nothing good or bad about being an eight. There's nothing good or bad. Like, can a good leader be an eight? Yes. There's lots of like bombastic, loud leaders. But Nelson Mandela is a three, right? And he's maybe the most successful leader you can think of because he operates from this very calm place. And I think the mode is that same thing. We can have a conversation about this that has no emotionality attached to it. It's just like, is it better in this situation to bring eight or three? Is it not working because we're in the mode or not?
1: There's another thing you can neutralize and make neutral, I realized when we were talking to Demona, which is the, the needing time apart. You know, my spouse wearing headphones or me wearing headphones, as I do sometimes, is not a, I hate you. It isn't a message to the other person. It's just that person needing space. And Dr. Lisa Damore was talking about in an article she wrote recently, which I'll put in the show notes, about we can neutralize our time apart in the same house. Right now She says it's not about I can't stand you guys Go away It's about needing time apart And we can Neutralize it And the suggestion She gives is A yo-yo dinner Have you heard of these? No Yo-yo dinner Just means You're on your own dinner and you just make it Tuesday night or whatever, Tuesday is yo-yo dinner. It's cereal, it's this. Now, if you're listening to this right now and you've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, yes, you're still slinging the chicken nuggets and frozen broccoli for the two little ones, but for the two grown-ups, it's yo-yo dinner. I don't care what you have. I will have a thing of soup or maybe I won't have dinner at all. Or To do that is actually a constructive, productive way to get through this time together rather than insisting that... Like in our family, we're realizing like the all five people sitting down to dinner every night. I have two teenage boys and my husband also eats a ton. It's a lot of food. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of dishes. Nobody wants to do them. It's getting old. So if you have yo-yo dinner and my kid makes himself a frozen lasagna once a week, guess what? Like everybody's a little happier that night. There's no obligation to have this big group undertaking.
0: I think the best thing I have realized in my old deluxe life, and this is something that plagued me as a younger person, and I feel like I have really gotten perspective on it, is what if this situation doesn't involve me at all? Uh Like, I have a tendency to look at situations and tell the story it's always about myself. This is something we've said on the podcast before that like children always define things as being about themselves, right? So if mom or dad are fighting, it's because the child did something wrong, natural inclination in children to see themselves as the center of any story. And that's why like when scary things happen, it's very scary for children. I found that like, I came to this so late, the thing of like, what if my husband being very buried in his work and literally not hearing my voice as I was speaking to him is not a personal affront and insult to me, but is rather a sign that he is very deeply invested in something he is working on. You know, what if the way that these other people in my life have go about their business. What if I'm not in that story at all? I just observe it because I don't say they're clearly doing this to show me that I don't really belong in their group.
1: Right. I am beneath their respect and attention. Right. Yeah. Maybe they're just doing
0: something that doesn't involve me at all. I feel like you very rarely go wrong by taking yourself out of the story. You're probably not being, and even if those people don't like you, what is that your business? You don't even care about that, you know? And I think especially in this time of quarantine, my oldest child, you know, he's, we're very much on his nerves. He's almost 12 years old and he's very tired of our faces. We are very annoying to him. (laughs) You are very annoying. That's the problem. And he often comes in, we sit in our kitchen around like a countertop thing for dinner. And then in the other room there's a dining room. But of course it's like the arts and craft table. It becomes you know, there's a puzzle on it right now. He not often, but like I would say a couple times a month. He's like, I'm eating by myself tonight. And he takes his plate and he goes sits in the dining room by himself. And my instinct was, You will not insult me by not having dinner at my table when I have gone out of my way. Again. And then my husband, who's smart about these things, was like, let him eat by himself. My husband didn't say this, but like, what if that's not about me? What if he needs a little quiet time away from the rest of our annoying faces and voices? I should let him have that space and place. And I should let my husband have his own spaces and places and do his own thing. And God
1: knows my husband should let me have my own spaces and places. The thing about the yo-yo dinners is that like in the great before times, we didn't have to talk about this or plan this. Like yo-yo dinners were every... Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday in my house when my daughter didn't get home from ballet until 7.15. You see what I'm saying? Like, that stuff happened naturally. My husband was out of town for a week. We had yo-yo a lot. Now we have it never. And it's okay to have it sometimes. And unfortunately, yeah, it's like, let me put on my headphones and watch this Colombian drug cartel series that I know you hate, you know, on the same couch as you. Like, that's just where we are right now. And so we have to create... Spaces for each other. Not all of us have a a studio above the garage, right? We have to create spaces for each other that are sometimes very much in our own heads. And we have to have one and we have to not take it personally when our spouse has a couple of their own.
0: And I have found for my husband and I, this is manifesting in like, stop asking me how I am, you know, like, (laughs) stop asking me how my day was. Because you know, we don't need to go through the motions of that anymore. You've been here, you've seen. And I get, of course, like totally passive aggressive. And I'm like, pretty much the same as every day. You know, we don't need to be always talking about how our day was. It's fine to just go into like, what is that mode I'm thinking of? It's like, you know, when in science fiction movies where they send people to outer space, it's like there's a shutdown mode. You're still on, but you're at the lowest level of on. Like you haven't powered all the way down, but you're in, Mm -hmm. in sleep mode, basically. Slow blinking light. Very slow. It's okay for us both to be in slow blinking light mode and coexist. We do not need to always be like, okay, how was your day? Let's talk. Now let's sit down to a nice dinner. It's okay to just sit and like slowly shovel food into our mouths while our lights blink extremely slowly sometimes.
1: Exactly. And we shouldn't globalize about that, right? That doesn't necessarily mean there is despair for you ever having a romantic relationship again. Like These times will change and these times demand a different way of relating to each other.
0: Yeah. I think we solved it. I think we solved it, Amy. We got this one. Please yeah, just blink your light next to your spouse and keep moving (laughs) forward, people. Don't look at their slow blinking light. It's not yours. It's not about you. No, their slow blinking light is annoying, of course. We're just going to kind of be in hyperspace. We're going to Mars, people. We need to shut it almost all the way down to get there.
1: We want to thank Damona Hoffman, who is our guest for today. Check out the Dates and Mates podcast. And I think we have something exciting in the works where we might be going on her Dates and Mates podcast to answer some questions. So we'll let you know about that. That would be kind of fun. Guys, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash what fresh
0: hellcast. You can join the group. You can talk to other People about how annoying their spouses are. That'll be a nice change from talking about how annoying your spouse is. <laughs> That's
1: a good idea. Take it there. We're also on Instagram, Pinterest at what Fresh Cast. We're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And I had some interesting studies this week. The baboon moms. If You want to know more about that? <laughs> if you want to do a deep dive into baboon moms, Amy is here for you. Go to podcast.com. Guys, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time, guys.